is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed to have Dan Burke with us today. Dan is the founder and the president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation. It offers graduate and personal enrichment studies to priests, deacons, the laity, or just really around the world. He's the author of more than 17 books on Catholic spirituality and hosts Divine Intimacy Radio with his wife, Stephanie, which is broadcast on EWTN Radio, and written a number of articles. He's a husband, father of four, grandfather of one, just a a prolific Catholic helping people grow in their faith. So a special welcome to you today, Dan. It's great to be with you again. I mean, we met here a decade ago or so. It's good to Mm -hmm. talk with you again. Yes, thank you. And today we want to focus a little more specifically on your new book, A Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul. It's out from Sophia Press. Why did you write the book and why now? The world is in darkness and getting darker. The church is in darkness and getting darker. And it just seemed to me, the last two books I've written on spiritual warfare, and it it seems that the people of God need to be equipped and the Lord has not left us helpless, but he's given us a great deal of wisdom in and through the great saints like Ignatius and Teresa of Avila. So I wrote it to help people deal with, in great measure, the difficulties at this time. I remember just the fact that it's dealing about the significance of St. Teresa Avila's work, the interior castle, and her seven levels of spiritual progress, and that there's there's patterns and, and, and ways to be aware of, and that the evil one uses predictable tactics. Talk about that and just as writing the book your awareness of saying, like, the more people know this, the more it's just going to help them. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, any priest, and of course you're a priest, I think you could attest to this, the the tactics of the enemy, he's not very creative, and he just does the same thing over and over again. And when you learn those tactics, and you learn from St. Teresa, one of the greatest masters in the history of the Church of Prayer, and also spiritual warfare, you really get insight and wisdom in how the enemy works at each stage of your spiritual growth and how he's going to change his tactics. And, and once you learn those and you know how to fight, you, you're, you won't be victim to them for sure because God desires us to win the battle and gives us everything we need to win. And so we can be confident in his guidance through his saints. So one of the experiences today is even in the Catholic world, there's this understanding that kind of everybody's in exactly the same place that there's, you really don't have to grow in holiness. We're all Christian. We're all going to heaven. And in this reality of, hey, holiness takes grace. It takes work. It takes cooperating with grace. It takes humility. Can you speak to that of just why it's really important to have a sober understanding that we have to cooperate in order to grow? Can you speak about just this pervasive misunderstanding and, and why this, this book is an important step forward in taking steps in growth. Yeah, I mean, we have Jesus' words in Matthew 7 where he says, the road is narrow and very few go up it to heaven and very many go the opposite direction. And he talks about even people who do good works and how they don't know him. And so he says in the end, 
even though you've done these good works, you don't know me, and, and so with things, it's not going to go well. So, But he gives us all the grace we need. Each and every person individually has what we need to become saints, and only you can become a saint, Father Brian, the way you're called to be a saint. I can only become one the way I'm called to be one. But he gives us all of that grace individually and uniquely to us through the common means, of course, of the sacraments, but also by drawing us to prayer, drawing us to spiritual warfare. You know, even the catechism says that everyone has to engage in the battle in order to make it to heaven. So God be praised. We're not alone in the fight, and he's given us what we need, but we must engage. We must choose to fight. We must choose to learn and, and specifically choose to follow him or we're not going to make it, but we will if we do. And this book, what I found beautiful is it just goes through each one of the mansions in the interior castle, just the battles in each of the mansions and how the evil one has, again, those predictable ways that he tries to distract people, to tempt people, to lead people back away from the center, which is ultimately God. Can you speak about how, especially when people start in the spiritual life, this is included in the, in the battle in the first mansion, how there's a danger with staying on the fringe in the outer court and people can easily be picked off in the spiritual life. The idea of you, if you stay on the edges, you, you put yourself in spiritual danger. Yeah, so uh, Teresa uses this analogy, the castle in the middle of the kingdom, and the kingdom has outer walls. She lived in an Avila and in, uh, in a convent on the outside, which had 12-foot thick walls around the whole thing. And, and she describes the castle as this idea that you can be baptized and be in, inside the kingdom, but if you do not go into the interior castle, which is another place on the inside of the kingdom, you're going to be way more vulnerable and picked off um, by the enemy. And, of course, we see that in the, even in the lives of the saints at the end, of the end of their lives. There's great temptations and difficulties. But the Lord gives us everything we need before we come to that point to learn to fight. So it gives us everything we need to learn to fight and to make sure that we move not just through our baptism and our confirmation, but into that interior castle where we can find much more protection, much more grace, much more peace. One of the things you emphasize throughout the book with Teresa, obviously emphasized, is the importance of daily meditation on the scripture, daily mental prayer. Can you speak about that as being, I don't think we talk, I know as priests, more and more it's become part of my preaching and teaching but why do we have a church need to make sure that that's the foundation of people's lives? Well, because Jesus said to those in Matthew 7 who came to him and said, hey, you are Lord, we, you know, we cast out demons, we built hospitals, we did all of it, we fed the poor. And he says, I don't know you, depart from me. The reason he says that, and it's because he's saying, and, and also we know of these passages that he repeats from the Old Testament, rend your hearts, not your garments. I want the interior, I want your heart. I, yes, the exterior act is important, but I want a relationship with you. And he says, if you don't have that with me, and he says it in Luke, he says it in Matthew, when you come to your final judgment, I'm going to say, I don't know who you are. You may have done good things, but that doesn't mean we're, we have a relationship. So mental prayer, uh, coupled with the sacraments, is the most important and powerful way to developing that relationship, which is just opening up your scriptures and talking to Jesus and getting to know him and emulating him and, and following him. I wrote a simple book on that. If folks have never done that, it's called Into the Deep, which gives you 100% of what you need to know how to do that, but you don't have to even read my book. You just open the book of John and start reading and you'll discover a, a new and deeper relationship with the Lord if you do that on a daily basis. 
Mm-hmm. And we have some wonderful resources. Obviously, we can just pray with the liturgical year, just praying with the readings of the day, using resources oh, yeah. like uh, the Magnificat is wonderful or Word Among Us, other ways of just growing. I, those are phenomenal ways of resources for our times. But like you said, just pray with the scriptures and get to know Jesus through his word. Yeah, excellent. I, I totally agree. And there, we really don't lack, nobody is going to, Failed to get to heaven for lack of resources. The Lord gave him, gave his very life, you know, for our salvation. And then the catechism says the entire divine economy is ordered so that we might come to union with him. And so he's given us everything we need. We just need to take advantage of all these great gifts. Mm-hmm. In your chapter about the battle in the second mansion, you speak about God permitting souls to get bitten by the vipers, right? Vipers kind of of uh, uh, the evil one. Can you explain that more fully of why God would permit us to kind of be burned by (laughs) maybe falling into temptation or sins and why God would permit that? Yeah, I mean, the reason he permits it, there's a couple of reasons. One is to wake us up if we're getting complacent. And so sometimes we're getting a little too familiar with things that we left behind and he he lets us get nipped a little bit so that we go, whoa, you know, I, I need to stay away from that. The other reason is to strengthen us. You know, when you come to a trial, and you fight successfully and win, you become stronger and are able to better fight next time. Or you become humbler if you fall and then thus are also a bit better able to fight. So he uses these things just a very deliberate way of living which, in which you'll make great spiritual progress. Every, most saints are, 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 are religious. And the reason they're religious is because they have something called a rule of life, which is the same thing as a plan of love because they live very deliberately for God and, and uh, for what he desires of them. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. We're blessed to have Dan Burke with us in his new book, The Devil in the Castle, about St. Teresa of Avila's spiritual warfare and the progress of a soul. In our next segment, we'll continue the conversation about the different elements of going deeper in the spiritual life. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Father Jeffrey Dowsis thought for sure that someone had shot his car. Driving along Putty Hill Avenue in Towson, February 17th, the pastor of Immaculate Heart of Mary in Bainesville heard a loud crash and saw pieces of his side mirror fly into the air. It felt like a meteorite had fallen on my car, Father Dowsis remembered. The object that hit the priest's car wasn't from the barrel of a gun or from another world. It had been launched from the baseball stadium at nearby Calvert Hall College High School. 
Troy Stokes Jr., a 2014 alumnus of Calvert Hall and a Major League Baseball player who most recently played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, hit the ball during batting practice with members of the high school team. The Owings Mills resident, a former four-year starter and a star outfielder with Calvert Hall, occasionally visits the current high school team to share his experience of the big leagues, answer questions, and offer tips. Stokes, who attended Cardinal Sheehan School in Baltimore and sometimes worshipped at New All Saints in Liberty Heights with his grandmother when he was a child, estimates that the ball flew about 400 feet. The longest ball he ever hit was in the minor leagues when he belted one an estimated 480 feet. Stokes gave an autographed ball to Father Dalsis, writing on it, Sorry for hitting your mirror. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. The Archdiocese of Baltimore's Office of Black Catholic Ministries held its 25th annual Mother Lang Award celebration March 11th, celebrating the leadership and service of black Catholics in parishes throughout the Archdiocese. For a full list of award winners, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic Schools Rise Above. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm here with Dan Burke, talking about his book, The Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare, and the Progress of the Soul. It's focused around just how, when you're growing in the spiritual life and growing to the center, which is God, that these are the typical tactics of the evil one. And the more we know it, the more we can respond to it. Welcome back, Dan. It's great to be with you, Father Brian. In your chapter about the Battle of the Third Mansion, you talked about the temptation that many have to turn back in spiritual progress, that Teresa of Avila is warning that many souls have risen to the heights of holiness and suddenly fallen, fallen back into mortal sin and even have been lost. Speak about that of why we need humility at a deep level when we're growing in the spiritual life. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the ways the enemy trips us up because we can see it's really obvious once you get to the Third Mansion, you're making progress. And what he can do is just propose to you and say, hey, Father Brian, you know, you're doing really well. I think you're doing a little much and you you need to relax a little bit or, you know, you need to you're fine. You don't have that. You don't struggle with that sin anymore. It's okay for you to, you know, get exposed to something this way or that way. But those would be falling to pride and a lack of humility, which then could make you fall backwards. So. No matter where we are, how far we've made progress in the interior life, we have to guard ourselves vigilantly. We have to maintain our spiritual disciplines or we could easily fall backwards. And John of the Cross speaks of this uh, in the in ascent of Mount Carmel. And he reveals that many people who make it this far get stuck because they lay down their cross and they stop fighting and stop uh, seeking to make progress and get too self-satisfied. So we can never be self-satisfied. We have to know that the journey to the heart of God is an infinite journey of infinite discovery and grace and glory, and that there's always more to be learned, always more to pursue, always greater holiness. So we just keep we keep in the fight all the time. Yes. I remember St. Augustine's phrase of saying, you know, how do you grow? In three ways. 
first humility, second humility, third humility. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, humility is is the most powerful antidote against the devil. Uh, absolutely mm-hmm. true, and against our own stupidity and sinfulness. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if we're low and humble, like a little child, it, it solves a lot of problems in the interior life and life in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. In your the battles that happen in the fourth mansion, you mentioned the the painful tension of of loneliness that oh. many people that you become detached from the world, you become detached from people. Not everybody's at the kind of going with you and how, and yet it becomes an opportunity to be closer to God. Can you speak to that and just your insights from your own reflections on that, on that chapter and, and specifically on Teresa's insights? Yeah, it's very, it's very difficult when you, you know, we, we just had a, a family come and visit our lady of Mount Carmel retreat center where we live now. And we, you know, the, one of the kids is wrestling with a friend who's a little bit, you know, outside of the circle of where they should be and should I hang with them or not? And, and unfortunately, the answer is if, you, if you're not specifically helping someone to heaven and you're not specifically having an impact on them, what's likely is going to happen is they're going to drag you down. So as you grow spiritually, you learn this. And you realize sometimes I have to disentangle from those who are not responding to God's call. And, and unfortunately, sometimes those are our best friends. It happened to me when I, would, when I converted to Christianity. I lost my closest friend. Mm-hmm. grew up with him, and he, he, wouldn't, he would not tolerate you know, the Christian message. And it was incredibly painful for me to lose him mm-hmm. as a friend. And of course, we can mitigate this by drawing near to other people who are pursuing holiness, and developing holy friendships is one of the reasons why we founded Apostle VA community was to do that for people all over the world. But there are other good communities as well. As long as they're faithful to the magisterium, go find people who are, who are becoming saints and run with them. Saints always run in packs and get a new pack. You know, folks going to hell also run in packs, but they usually run with people who are not going to heaven. So run mm-hmm. with, run with saints and people strive the Lord and but the loneliness can be incredibly painful and difficult but it's you know it's a price you have to pay to follow Jesus just is what it is Mm -hmm. you also spoke about the the no zone the near occasion zone avoiding the near occasion zone and obviously there are the obvious avoid the occasions of sin what have you found and especially even just you're doing direction with other people or mentoring other people what are more subtle the occasions of sin that are much more subtle that people need to avoid well, and unfortunately, if people don't practice mental prayer, they'll never see these things coming. But as mm-hmm. an example, when you're trying to get over sexual, habitual sexual sin, let's say you use porn or whatever, that's, mm-hmm. you fall into mortal sin through self-abuse with that. Then a venial sin might be where you see somebody of the opposite sex and you sort of fantasize about them and give your mind to that. And then a, an imperfection might be that you just stare a tad too long at someone that isn't your spouse or whatever. But in order to be, even be able to see those temptations and get way away from the near occasion of sin, like as an example, a tactic I use, if I ever see a woman that's attractive and I think, wow, she's attractive, I immediately turn my affection to my wife. And if I'm with my mm-hmm. wife, I'll usually touch her, put my arm around her and totally, you know, so, so I'm not even getting close to falling mm-hmm. in those kinds of sins because I'm working way, way before I ever enter into those zones. Another example would be sometimes, you know, people, people sin when they're, when they're hungry, uh, tired, sad. You know, they're just some very mm-hmm, typical right. states, which is where they're in desolation usually. 
And mm-hmm. so when you learn to understand what desolation is and you learn to be aware when it sets in, you can go, oh, wow, okay, this is my normal sin pattern when I hit desolation. I need to call the friend that I already set up and who agreed to help me. I need to get out of my bed and I need to go, you know, get some milk at the store. Or I need to go, you know, wash my car, you know, whatever it is. But we've got to have strategies to overcoming habitual sin and we'll never, never do it. They're habitual because they're deeply rooted in us. And to get out those deep rooted sins, we have to fight like heaven to get the hell out of us. We really have to work hard. <laughs> yes. I love, I love that quote in your, in your book when I read that. Fight like heaven to get the hell out of it. Yes. In your chapter on, on the battle of the fifth mansion, you spoke about the temptation just to be busy with good things or to be doing things that that's one of his subtle tactics where he shifts, where the evil one shifts his tactics to just spread people thin with things God's not asking them. Can you speak to that and the danger of, of that in the spiritual life? Yeah, I mean, that, that. so he always changes his tactics based on the progress of the soul. So in this case, you have somebody who's no longer struggling with habitual mortal or venial sin, probably. Actually, it is the case at this stage in the mansions. But, so the devil can't tempt you to those things. But what he can tempt you to do is say, hey, you know, here's another good thing for you to do. Here's another good thing for you to do that then begins to compromise your primary state in life. So let's say you're married and you have, and you're, you're a wife and you have six kids under the age of seven, you know, and, and then an exorcist comes and says, hey, would you assist me in deliverance ministry, which is an example I use in the book. And, and when we had that conversation with that person, we said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That is totally a temptation of the enemy. And even though the exorcist is a good priest, he, he, he wasn't in his right mind when he asked you to do that because your kids are too vulnerable at this stage. And, right. you know, that's, mm-hmm. and it takes hours and hours and it's grueling and you're already tired, you know. So even though you're holy and, and that's good and the priest needs someone who's holy, this is not a good ministry for you because it would, it would cause damage to your primary state and your family. So he's, mm-hmm. another example is just one more good thing. You know, Father Brian, you're a good speaker and you've given some retreats and you get requests to do more and more. And then suddenly your diocesan priesthood as your primary vocation is, is deteriorating because you're paying mm-hmm. attention and you're, you're flying around and doing retreats. So Father Gallagher gives that analogy in his book, great book on discernment of spirits. So just there are many ways that he shifts tactics and, and, and comes as an angel of light and says, hey, here's, you're really good. You should do this good thing. And it, and it does harm in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's where the gift of discernment and even spiritual direction or spiritual mentor to help discern that is, is yeah. crucial. Can you speak also, I think you spoke about the question of counterfeit peace. That sometimes the evil oh, one yeah. can give can give and, and just the the illusion of that that's not from God. How do you tell the difference? How would you speak about the difference that Teresa of Avila the insights about what is what would be considered counterfeit peace versus authentic peace? It's a tough question to answer, but I will say the worst advice given in the church today is if you feel peace, you should do whatever you're proposing because the enemy can mimic peace or consolation. As you know, I think you been involved with the Institute of Priestly Formation, and they do a great job on Ignatian spirituality. Ignatius is kind of the master of that realm, as is uh, St. John of the Cross. But here's the fundamental issue. If you have peace and you're tempted to do something in contrary to the magisterium or your state in life, that peace is from the devil. Okay? Not complicated, right? So mm-hmm. peace is only one of a, a, a handful of things you have to look at, a handful of gauges, if you will, 
to determine the will of God. You know, if somebody said, well, I have peace about this course of action, first thing I'm going to ask them is, well, tell me about your spiritual life. How's How's your struggle against sin? You know, tell me about your vocation. You know, are you married or what's your primary? How is that going? Is your relationship with your wife good? Is your relationship with your kids good? You know, well, no, it's not very good, but I really feel like God's calling me to do this and I have peace. Uh, My answer is no, he's not. (laughs) You you need to focus on your own life. You need to take care of them because this is just a way the enemy's trying to get you away from them. So, you know, another real typical example is young, young uh, male and female cohabiting. Oh, but we have so much peace. You know, we the Lord has called us to mm-hmm. be together and we help one another. Well, that's the devil's peace because you're doing something destructive to the soul of the other and your own soul. You're violating the will of God. So those are some ways that you can understand the false peace that comes. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great blessing to have you. And in, in, what a great book, The Devil in the Castle. St. Teresa of Avila's Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul by Sophia Press. And I hope people get the book. And even there's a lot of book studies out there. The fact that people could read this with a priest, it could even be informative for priests as well or deacons and, and or just amongst the laity. We have a lot of good holy Catholic laity. So what a great blessing. These and the other books you've written from Navigating the Interior Life, which is a great book, Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. There's a lot of good resources, both that this book speaks of and really the gift that you've given to the church. So... Thank you. Really a blessing for your time and blessings to to your ministry, especially with spiritualdirection.com. Great to connect with you again, Father. God bless you and all your good that you're doing for the church. God bless you. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. May God bless you. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.